0: Two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revin, and this, this is the Sunday Seven. In today's episode, we hear about the next steps for COVID, how climate change is bad news for healthy sleep, and gene edited food could soon be hitting a supermarket shelf near you. But first, it was on this day in 1919 that Charles Stride invented the automatic pop up toaster, making breakfast a doddle for decades to come. This week, leaders from around the world have gathered for the annual World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland. Financial elites, business executives and industry experts have spent the week chatting each other up over the theme of history at a turning point. With the inescapable cloud of COVID-19 still looming, Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla has been speaking about the pandemic as a turning point and what needs to happen if we hopefully move away from it. Part of this plan is the continuation of Max vaccination and the big pharma boss had some big news.
1: Pfizer will provide all the patent-protected medicines, all, to all low-income countries, plus all the low-income countries graduated from this status 10 years ago. So this is 45 countries, 1.2 billion of people, we will give all our patent products at cost. In January, my entire leadership team made some plans for the next five years. One of them was by year 2023, we will reduce by 50% the number of people on the planet that cannot afford our medicines. Today, we are going to achieve that by adding 1.2 billion people that couldn't afford a single one of them, that now can be affordable, all of them.
0: If you cast your mind back to the early days of this COVID vaccine and the conversations around how it will be shared, this is a huge breakthrough. And with COVID rates increasing in North America and several parts of Asia, the big question that's on everyone's mind still is when can we put this pandemic behind us?
1: I don't think that the virus will disappear, but the real question that everybody is asking is not this. It is: can we get our lives back? Can we live normal, can, normal economic activity, normal social activity with the virus presence? And the answer is yes. I think we can. I think we have the means right now, very effective vaccines. As the virus mutates, we have the ability to follow up, update the vaccines and to have treatments.
0: However, with news of monkeypox spreading globally, we now potentially have other viruses to keep an eye on. But Burla is not so concerned.
1: I don't think we should be afraid, but I think we should be prepared. Even the little fear that we have, we should, that should ease it. And if we are prepared, I think science will win.
0: Human cells grown in the lab could one day be used for a variety of tissue grafts but these cells need the right kind of environment and stimulation. New research suggests that robot bodies could provide just that. A petri dish can give cells everything they need to thrive but for researcher Pierre Moutoui however a petri dish just wasn't quite enough. Pierre wants to grow tendon cells, the tough bits of tissue that connect muscles and bones. He hopes lab grown cells could one day be grafted into human bodies to repair tears in shoulder tendons for example but as he explained to nature video there's a catch
2: we are still far away from a fully functional tandem tissue grafts and um, we think that partially this is because we are not providing the same complexity of mechanical stresses around those cells
0: a petri dish is not the natural home of a human cell and it seems that some cells need an environment that's a little bit more stimulating
2: what researchers have shown for a long time now is that external mechanical stimulation is really key to uh, mature the tissue properly and to have the cells express the right types of genes and to produce the right extracellular matrix.
0: So instead of a petri dish or a bioreactor flask, researchers grow tendon cells on stretchy plastic scaffolds with fluid providing the oxygen and nutrients. So far, scientists have used repeated stretching and relaxing to stimulate the cells to grow properly. But unidirectional stretching is pretty different from what tendons would experience in a real shoulder.
2: What the body is providing to native tissues is multi-axial mechanical stimulation where you have three-dimensional mechanical stresses being applied to tissue constructs in the form of not just tension, but also compression and torsion.
0: Pierre's new chambers can be pushed, pulled, bent and twisted, just like a real tendon. But he still needed something to do all the movement. What he needed was a robot.
2: And what makes them special is that they have muscles and tendons as we humans do. So we try to imitate the way the human body works. And we're doing this because we believe it's going to help us build robots that eventually are going to move just as natural and graciously as human bodies do.
0: That's the voice of Raphael Hostelet, founder of German robotics company Devonthro.
2: They're being used in research, neuroscience, biomechanics and so on. But eventually they might be used to build better prosthetics and test new implants.
0: These robots are intended to mimic the shape, dimensions and mechanics of the human body. This allows Pierre to grow tendons to graft onto shoulder injuries as intended, but there are other possible applications.
2: To look at improving rehabilitation exercises uh, by looking at how the cells are being affected by a particular exercise, or uh, it could also be used in translational research to screen through Biomaterials to ensure that they are mechanically suitable for humans.
0: And now that they've developed a system to make it work, the next step is to figure out if the new robotic petri dish can actually grow better tendons than the old-fashioned method.
2: So this has been years of work already. Um, and, and obviously uh, now we've demonstrated that it is feasible to use this approach. And I think the fun only starts now. Because now that we've demonstrated that it's feasible to use those humanoid robots, we can explore the different possibilities that they can do and look into whether it can really help to improve the quality of the crafts by providing these more physiologically uh, relevant mechanical stresses.
0: So to come on the Sunday 7, how climate change is impacting your sleep and a deep dive into the prehistoric past. A new study published in the journal One Earth has found that global heating has reduced sleep hours around the world. Whilst most studies focus on economic and social outcomes, climate change is impacting people in ways that are yet to be established. According to researchers from the University of Copenhagen who led the study, the average individual is already losing 44 hours of sleep per year. That adds up to about 11 nights of less than 7 hours sleep, which is the benchmark for a good night's sleep. And nights are warmer than ever. Global warming is increasing cloud coverage meaning that whilst the sunlight is blocked during the day, clouds retain more heat and humidity during the night, like a toasty blanket. The study findings suggest that by 2099, rising temperatures may erode 50 to 58 hours of sleep per person per year. And a sleep expert, Robert Havakis, will tell you that's bad news.
3: If you look at it, what sleep deprivation can do, it's actually quite shocking. It can cause diabetes, it can cause heart arrhythmia, high blood pressure, it can promote the formation of certain forms of cancer, and it can also affect the brain. And one brain region that is particularly sensitive to sleep deprivation is this region called the hippocampus.
0: This is the informational inbox of your brain. It takes information and holds on to it. It's the region of the brain that remembers names, where you parked your car or even remembering numbers. But without sufficient sleep, this inbox system can start to fail. Professor of Neuroscience Matthew Walker has also researched sleep deprivation and the hippocampus. In his study, he put two groups of participants head-to-head in a fact-learning task. One group got a full night's sleep and the other group were kept up all night.
1: And when we looked at this structure in those people who'd had a full night of sleep, what we saw was lots of healthy learning-related activity. Yet in those people who were sleep-deprived, we actually couldn't find any significant signal whatsoever. It's almost as though sleep deprivation had shut down your memory inbox and any new incoming files, they were just being bounced. You couldn't effectively commit new experiences to memory.
0: Lost sleep will keep up as the planet continues to warm. However, it will impact some groups more than others. In the study, they found that sleep loss per degree of warming is about a quarter higher for women than men. It's also twice as high for those over 65 and three times higher for those in lower income countries. Further research into the issue is still needed, but policymakers will need to come up with better climate solutions to protect the sleep health of citizens around the globe. They're huge, powerful and full of surprises. The T-Rex is one of the Jurassic period's most recognisable dinosaurs, but this tiny-armed, big-toothed creature has an unexpected side too. These huge teeth
3: are evidence enough of its efficiency as a hunter, and studies of the skull
0: have also shown that it had an acute sense of smell. But what evidence is there
3: that it ever went for a swim?
0: Produced by the people who brought you Planet Earth, everyone's favourite natural historian David Attenborough is back on our screens with a new show on Apple TV+. called Prehistoric Planet. The show takes you into a world of dinosaurs like never before.
2: The sight of a Tyrannosaurus Rex swimming with his young may seem surprising, but like all of the dinosaur behaviour in Prehistoric Planet, this is backed up by some remarkable science.
0: In the epic Fine part event, you'll get a little closer to finding out whether the ferocious Velociraptor had feathers.
3: It would have looked very different from that scaly monster that we're familiar with. It would have been coated in lots and lots of feathers and would have looked a lot more like a kind of really terrifying turkey.
0: Whether dinosaurs hunted in packs...
3: In 2014, scientists in British Columbia discovered trackways made by three tyrannosaurs that had all been walking side by side.
0: And other prehistoric mysteries. Join
1: us for a story you've never heard
3: on a scale you've never witnessed.
0: So to go on the Sunday 7, get ready for gene-edited food and a trippy hallucinogenic experience with the Dream Machine. Right after this. You're
3: listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso or even try our
1: island edition. It's in all the usual places.
0: Much different to ordinary tomatoes, but in a field in Nard, scientists have used gene editing technology to create a souped-up tomato containing as much vitamin D as two eggs. Vitamin D is vital to strong bones and muscles and even helps reduce risk of cancer. With around 50% of the world population living with a vitamin D deficiency, this could be a game-changer. Scientists at the John Innes University Centre carried out the research and used a gene editing technique called CRISPR-Cas9 to tweak the tomato DNA. We talk about
2: genetic tweezers, <laughs> so it really is very, very small nature equivalents. It can happen naturally or it could happen naturally, but the amount of work and time required to make that change and then to select it and breed it in is prohibitively
0: long. That was Professor Kathy Martin, a plant metabolic engineer who led the research. The technique she describes is fundamentally different to previous incarnations of genetic modification. Instead of using genes from another organism, it uses the gene itself. It deletes, swaps or repeats genes already present in the plant's genetic code to get the desired effect. You won't find these tomatoes in your local supermarket now, but that could soon all change. Currently, UK legislation doesn't distinguish between GM and GE and makes a virtual impossible to bring genetically modified products to the market but this week the government is introducing the genetic technologies bill which aims to massively curb regulations around gene editing this could pave the way for shelves to be stocked with vitamin D fortified tomatoes and non-browning mushrooms as early as next year
3: it's the first positive step in crop biotechnology regulation uh, in Europe with the UK for um, a generation 25 years and uh, I've suffered all through that period <laughs>
0: That's Professor Nigel Halford, he's led other trials on gene editing plants like wheat.
3: We've been waiting for this for a long time, and I think uh, uh, it's really a positive step. It's really important that we don't miss out on the next biotech revolution, which is gene editing. And that is already off and running in some parts of the world. The United States, for example, several years, Canada, Brazil, Argentina. Just this year, we see China and India moving on, on biotech on gene editing, so really important that we keep
0: up. With gene editing, scientists have proved they've got a tool that can revolutionise food and farming, but they still have some way to go.
3: What's the relationship between what we see, what we feel, what we hear and what's there? Is it the same for everybody where do colors exist do they exist in the world in the mind or or not at all
0: The dream machine is a mind-bending light and sound installation that's probing into all these questions designed to be experienced with your eyes closed dream machine is currently touring the uk and invites members of the public into a world of kaleidoscopic visual hallucinations generated by flashing lights and an immersive 360 degree soundscape
4: What's happening in the dream machine is a white light going on and off, but the experiences that people are reporting and how emotionally affecting they are, how joyous they are, is really profound um, realisation that, you know, what you're capable of and that we have this incredible, incredible organ.
0: That was Jennifer Crook, director of Collective Art, the company that created the dream machine, speaking to new scientists. Alongside Jennifer, University of Sussex professor Aniel Seth had already been exploring the phenomena of flickering light for the past decade and was a crucial part of this project's inception.
3: One thing we think is going on is that the aspects of the visual wiring of the brain, like the, the underlying anatomy seems to be revealing itself in the experience, the, the, the shapes, the lines, the, the, the patterns of movement that, that you see can be tied to the underlying structure of the visual cortex. It can tell us a lot about the range of different experiences people can have. So we all have different perceptual experiences of a shared world. Now the dream machine, I think, just brings those differences to light in a, in a beautiful and creative way.
0: Another key piece to the jigsaw is composer John Hopkins, who inspired the project.
3: The music actually seems to affect the images that people see, and everyone sees something different. This is all happening behind closed eyelids with white light, so it's, it's quite fascinating, and, then, and I love the fact that it's not fully understood. A lot of ancient Neolithic sites have a strong sonic component, where chambers in the, um, the Great Pyramid resonate on very specific notes, and no one knows exactly why, but there's to me, it seems like there's, there's some great healing power in there that we um, may, maybe need to rediscover. So in the dream machine, it's quite evident. People have describably unique experiences. This recognition of diversity has potentially pretty significant consequences for how we operate in society. You know, we all sort of connect with each other on the basis of the assumption that we see the same world, but we don't necessarily always see the same world and understanding these differences can be a catalyst I think for for better communication between people.
0: scientists are leading groundbreaking research across the world but despite the remarkable discoveries they only represent a third of researchers and their work rarely gains the recognition it deserves founded in 1998 the l'oreal unesco women in science rising talent program hopes to change that built on the premise that the world needs science and science needs women, it aims to empower women scientists to achieve excellence and participate equally in solving the greatest challenges facing humanity. This week they announced their rising talent awardees. Each successful fellow has been awarded £15,000 towards research in their field. From the Sustainable Development category we spoke to awardee Dr. Christina Fawcett from the University of Glasgow to hear what impact this support will have on her research and the advancement of women in STEM. Firstly, Christina, congrats on the fellowship. How will this award support your research goals?
4: Thank you so much. Um, It's really an honor to have this award. And this award is going to really fund solutions to prevent pandemics. So with monkeypox and COVID-19, these are pathogens that have moved from animals into humans. And we think that disturbance of the ecosystems where these pathogens are found are the driving factors of this. So if we can reforest or prevent it at the source, we can hopefully prevent these larger scale impacts.
0: How important are initiatives like this for the advancement of women in STEM?
4: I think it's really important, um, particularly for early career researchers, to invest in, in exciting new research opportunities. There's not too much funding at the moment for people at my career stage and so it's a really exciting and new opportunity to look at innovative solutions. So
0: what effect does deforestation have on local ecology and the spread of diseases?
4: Through the processes of deforestation we often have degradation of the landscapes themselves which also often stresses out populations of wildlife that live in those habitats and that can actually lead to increased disease incidents in them and that then can lead to spillover into human populations and that's either through an increased disease in the wildlife themselves or increased contact between humans and wildlife. As a researcher, does the recent news of monkeypox worry you? So any new emerging infectious disease is always worrying. There are some things about monkeypox that make it a little bit more controllable. We have vaccinations that are slightly effective and the contagion aspect of it can be controlled more easily. Um, But we're always concerned about a new outbreak in human populations.
0: Without appropriate reforestation efforts, could we expect to see more viruses like monkeypox spreading globally?
4: So we've definitely seen an increase in what we call emerging infectious diseases. So these are diseases that are new to human populations and this has been attributed to changing landscapes and also growing human populations. So I think unless we address where these diseases emerge at the source, we'll continue to see this in years to come unfortunately. What do you think needs to be done? So the key bits are to improve local livelihoods where we're seeing diseases emerge. So these are mostly in developing countries and tropical forested landscapes. So we need to improve the economies there. And we need to also um, invest in health infrastructure there so we can detect diseases as soon as they spill over and before they start spreading internationally.
0: This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favor and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. with a regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend.
1: Written, produced, and published by Daft Doris.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Kira from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. Just to let you know, we're pausing this podcast from Friday the 25th of August, but you can still get up to speed in just seven minutes if you search the Smart 7 and catch up with our UK edition. Thanks for listening.